Uh, Memorial Day was originally called Decoration Day, and this came about in May of 1868, three years after the Civil War. There was a Union general who was a leader of an organization for Northern Civil War veterans, and he called for a National Day of Remembrance. And on that first Decoration Day, General James Garfield made a speech at Arlington National Cemetery, and then 5,000 participants decorated the graves of 20,000 Union and Confederate soldiers that are buried there. So I'm going to ask you to do something. This is your homework for Memorial Day weekend. As you go to ball games and you cook out and you swim in a swimming pool and you do everything that you do, I'm going to ask you to take a few moments and pause and remember and reflect. Because just this morning after we showed that video clip, after the first service, I had several people come up to me and say, I received one of those letters. My son did not come back from Vietnam. My daughter was involved in something else that was going on. It was not in wartime, but they didn't get to come home. And so all of us usually know someone or we have someone in our family. So in the midst of all of your festivities and revelry and parties, I pray that you will pause to remember. Memorial Day weekend stirs up a lot of emotions in us because it's red, white, and blue everywhere, the American flag, there's fireworks, there's a lot of things that go on in the backyards of people that are celebrating this time. But something that came to my heart that I needed to remind myself of, as well as our church family, is our dual citizenship. Dual citizenship is about existing under two governments, the government of this world and the government of God. As your pastor, I stand as a citizen of the United States, but also as a follower of Jesus, I am a citizen of heaven. Justin Taylor wrote on his blog post, citizenship is a publicly recognized legal status that authorizes someone to be a citizen. Unlike someone who is merely a subject in a kingdom, a citizen participates in the community to help maintain civic order. So when I arrived back to my hometown of Athens almost seven years ago now, it was good to be home. And yet, the city that I was born and raised in has changed. A lot of things for the good and some of those not for the good. But yet, this is my home. This is my hometown. I am a citizen of Athens. I'm a citizen of the state of Alabama. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. And with that comes responsibility. It can also be used to my advantage at times, but I also have some responsibility in making sure that my community, that my city, the place where I am a citizen, I am participating in making it better instead of worse. Well, there's a story in the book of Acts. We see the Apostle Paul not only acknowledging this concept of Roman citizenship, but he actively appeals to it. If you have your Bibles, your smartphone, your iPad, or simply look on the screen with me, Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 37. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned. Men who are Roman citizens have thrown us into prison, and do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. Now, here's the context. This is that great story about Paul and Silas being arrested 
After they've been beaten, they're thrown into the bowels of the prison, and instead of complaining and whining and moaning about it, what do they do? They start singing praises. And then an earthquake happens and shakes loose the prison doors. Instead of those guys running out of there, they stay in there, and the jailer comes in. He was about to take his own life, and and these guys say, no, we're still here. Everything's good. So they are invited to the home of the jailer. They lead the jailer to Christ. They lead the jailer's family to Christ. And before they leave, all of them are now baptized. That's the context of the story. Look at verse 38 and 39. So the police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. Let me tell you why they were afraid. A Roman citizen couldn't be beaten. A Roman citizen had the right of due process. But Paul and Silas had not been treated as Roman citizens, so now they were scared. So what'd they do? So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So I tell you that, yes, citizenship matters. Being a good citizen matters even more. You see, when I traveled overseas, my, I guess the trip that I remember the most is when I went to Israel And when I got into Tel Aviv at the David Ben-Gurion airport, I had to show my passport. My citizenship mattered. I had to prove to them that I was who I said I was. I was a United States citizen. Well, we go back to the first century, Paul's Roman citizenship, like mine now in the 21st century, my American citizenship was by birth, but also by family. Now, some of you that's been to seminary remember this work by Augustine called The City of God. It was written in the 5th century. It's his seminal work on political theology. He contrasts the Civita Dei, which is the city of God, with the Civitas Torino, which is the city of the world. Augustine was talking about two communities or two groups of like-minded individuals with competing visions of both heaven and earth. Politically today, I see these competing visions. I see individuals on one side of the aisle, on the other side of the aisle. Most of these individuals are what I would call the city of man. This started with the, not with the creation, but with the fall. This is about the individuals who desire and have an agenda that are deeply disordered. They're driven by the love of self and not of God. They operate according to the standards of the flesh, not of the standards of the Holy Spirit. But yet those of us who are saved, the redeemed, we make up the city of God. We try to seek God through his word as the highest good, and we orient everything around God's love and our worship of him. You say, okay, pastor, I I sort of get what you're saying. I'm a a citizen of heaven, and I'm also a citizen of of the city or the town that I live in. But notice this next statement. As Christians, then, we live among the city of man, but we belong to the city of God. You you and I are temporarily here, but we're going to be forever in one of two places, heaven or hell. And so even in the present, yes, we are dual citizens. Jesus goes on to further illustrate this of how we can live in this city of man as a believer and not have to contradict our witness. Look in your Bibles with me at Luke chapter 20, beginning with verse 19. So the scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. You and I today think we've got Big Brother watching us. Well, in the first century, they sent spies 
to try to listen to what Jesus was saying that if he contradicted anything that was in the Mosaic law of God. And so we see how it plays out. They're not sincere in their platitudes. So they ask him, teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly. You don't show any partiality, but truly teach the way of God. So is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? It's a great question. Am I today, as I stand here as your pastor, am I to give tribute to the United States government or not? Well, Jesus answers the question, but he perceived their craftiness, and this is what he said to him. He said, show me a denarius. It would be me like looking at Kenan and say, Kenan, throw me a quarter. I would grab that quarter from him, and I would show you what is on the sides of the coins. It's about our government. Well, that's what Jesus did. Show me a denarius whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said, well, Caesar's. So Caesar was a prideful, arrogant man. He was on all of the money in the first century, especially in the conquered lands. And he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Now, what does that mean for us today in the 21st century? You've got to pay your taxes. We've got to do what we're called to do as a citizen of the state of Alabama, as a citizen of the United States. Now, hear me out. If you don't, you get to start a prison ministry somewhere. Amen? You and I can't get pulled over by a state trooper running 90 miles per hour on a 70-mile-per-hour highway and say, I don't have to obey man. I'm obeying God. Well, God's Word says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Therefore, there are laws that are on the books in the city of Athens and Limestone County and the United States of America that you and I are to follow until they are contrary to the Word of God. And I don't care if it's the Supreme Court that said it. If it violates Scripture, we are to obey Scripture, not man. And when we're doing that, we are pleasing to God. And that's what pleases the heart of God in all things. So then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, to God the things that are God's. And they were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he said. But marveling at his answer, they became silent. Can you imagine being in that crowd? You're, you, you think you got him. You think you've got Jesus, and I'm going to catch him in this. And all of a sudden, he says something so profound that they can't even respond. So what did Jesus do? I believe in a subversive way, Jesus radically limited the authority of Caesar or government and showed the unlimited authority of God. Yes, the likeness on the denarius meant that they owed tribute to Caesar. Not a problem there. But the image of God is stamped onto our very human nature. It means that we owe our very lives to the maker of heaven and earth. That's why these individuals who were trying to catch Jesus in his words marveled at his answer and they became silent. So let me backtrack a moment to our original thought. As important as Roman citizenship was to Paul, and American citizenship is to me, there's something that's even more important. Many of us just voted recently. Some of us voted for a candidate that now is moving on to the general election. Some of us voted for a candidate that is not. But here's the question every time we go into a polling booth. What do you do when your Jesus worldview collides with your secular worldview? I'm going to tell you who wins. The one you feed the most. If I'm just feeding myself what the world says and what the nightly news says and what the blog posts say and I'm not studying God's Word, I'm going to have a secular worldview. 
But if I'm feeding myself the Word and I'm studying Scripture and I'm on my knees and I'm fasting and I'm seeking God, then I will have a Jesus worldview. So when my Jesus worldview collides with a secular worldview, Jesus wins. And that's what we should all desire. Amen? I'm not talking about being Baptist. I'm not even talking about this local church. I'm talking about Jesus wins. And see, we are living in a culture today where it's so different that individuals who say they love God and they can be on two different sides of the political spectrum and both of them don't trust the other. But as a follower of Jesus, I serve a different king in a different kingdom. Now, I have a president just like you do. We have a governor just like, just like you do. But hear me out. We who are followers of Jesus and that which is eternal serve a different king in a different kingdom. And as I stand before you today, and this is not in arrogance, it's in deep humility. I do not owe my allegiance or obedience to no man, no political party, no organization or platform that denies God's word, God's will, or God's way of salvation. You and I do not have to adhere to that. And, and here's the thing, we're living in a culture today that is quickly going the other way. That says, if you don't do it our way, you'll lose your job. If you, don't, if you don't say the things that I want you to say and do the things that I want you to do, you're not even going to have a career here. Now, let me tell you what I thought. I thought it was going to be Zeke's generation or even Danny's generation that was going to have to fool with all this mess. Well, the clock got wound up a little bit, and now my generation's having to deal with it. And how will we deal with it? Well, I've decided I serve a different king in a different kingdom. So I'm going to obey what God's Word says. And there may be a time somewhere out in the future that there are people picketing our church because of our stand for what the Bible says about one reason or another. Will we be able to dig our heels in and say, I stand with the Word of God? Because let me tell you, a lot of people can't and they won't. They've been wishy-washy their whole life. They've never been discipled. They don't have any roots in the gospel. So therefore, whichever way the winds of change blow is the way that they will go. So that's why we need to make disciples, not just converts. We need to dig deep into what God's Word teaches us and tells us. Like Peter and the disciples before the Pharisees and the high priests, I pray this will be the mantra of First Baptist Church Athens, Acts chapter 5, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. And we've got to teach our kids in our homes. Kenan, don't have them long enough to teach them in youth everything that they need to know. Moms and dads, it's up to us to disciple our kids, to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Where then should my first and most important allegiance be? Philippians 3 answers this question, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So even as a citizen of the state of Alabama and a citizen of the United States of America, most of all, my citizenship is in heaven. Not because I earned it, not because I deserved it, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Even Jesus said his kingdom's not in this world. He was born of the virgin. He walked through the streets of Jerusalem. He died on the cross. They put him in a borrowed tomb. On the third day, he rose from the grave. But his kingdom is not of this world. John chapter 18, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Part of our problem is today... You and I have placed our roots too deeply here. Friend, time is undefeated. Every one of us. If Jesus tarries his coming long enough, 
It's appointed a man once to die. After this, the judgment. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. Now, you and I love that middle part. We love to live. We love to party. We love to have fun. We love to raise our family. Nothing wrong with that. But some of us don't have eternity in view today. That that does come to a close. It does come to an end. And if you're not saved today and you're in the right place, this is a safe place where you can call on the name of the Lord. Because when we're born again, we're adopted into the family of God, Colossians 1. That, that Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So how do I reconcile all this? How do I reconcile my dual citizenship of heaven and earth? I think it's very simple and it's profound, but it's so hard to do. I must live in this world, but I do not have to be of this world. I got to pay my mortgage. I got to send my kids to school. I got to pay for my car payments. I, I mean, I, I've got to live in this world, but I don't have to be of this world. Because you and I should seek to be a witness of something better. Oh, what is better than right now, Joel? Well, Hebrews 13 and 14 says, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Abraham put it this way in Hebrews 11, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He's talking about our heavenly home one day. He's talking about that place where we're absent from the body, we're in the presence of the Lord. It is a place of eternity where those of us who know him and we get to go to a city whose designer and builder is God. Okay, pastor, I get all that. I've been raised up in church. But what about right now? I'm a citizen here in Athens. I have a 35611 or 35612 or 35613 or 35614 zip code. What do I do while I'm here? Well, do you know the Bible says that you and I are to take care of the things while we are here? So let me give you a passage of Scripture in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. And the context of this verse is when many of the Israelites had been taken into Babylonian captivity. For 70 years they were in Babylonian captivity. And this is what was said. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. When the city of Athens does well, we do well. When the city of Athens doesn't, we don't. So you and I have a responsibility in the present to be servants in our community, to make sure that our city remains clean and our, and our, and our city remains healthy and our, and our city remains growing. And there's a lot of things that we can do in order to make that happen. But seek the welfare of the city. So while you're here, do all that you can do with an understanding that there's a better city that's coming that is dual citizenship we are not to be of the world but are living in the world and you and I are sent deeper into the world as an ambassador as a missionary and as a witness of Jesus Christ so there's a reason why you're here today there's a reason why I'm here today and yes Memorial Day weekend is about remembering Remembering the sacrifices of so many to allow us now to worship Jesus Christ. And if you go around the world, our lifestyle, the things that you and I enjoy on a daily basis are much envied. And they would love to be here. 
And that's the reason why people are trying to get here. But today is also about remembering that I'm a part of the city of man, but I'm longing for the city of God. And if you're not longing for that city of God, there may be something missing. You just might not know Jesus. And if that's the case today, an invitation awaits you to come to him just as you are.